If robots can't experience joy or sorrow, then why do I sound so sad? Maybe it's because my only job is to plug the show dates of a moderately successful stand-up comedian. Gabriel will be appearing at Tacoma Comedy Club May 9th to 12th. The 12th is Mother's Day so bring your mom if she likes jokes about genitals. On May 17th to 19th Gabriel was scheduled to appear at the Denver Improv. But he got bumped by J.B. Smoove and rescheduled for August. I wonder if J.B. Smoove needs a robot announcer. I bet J.B. Smoove has never recorded a podcast from a shitty motel in Baker City, Oregon before his big show at AJ's Corner Brick Bar and Grill. For all of Gabriel's show dates go to GabrielRutledge.com. Or go to jbsmooth.com if you want to see a successful comedian's schedule. Episode 19 of Happy and Assistant Funny with Gabriel Rutledge starts right now. And now here's your host, Gabriel Rutledge. Check, check, check. Wow. Uh, robot announcer lady is mean as hell today. Yeah, okay, yeah, I got I got bumped by J.B. Smoove. Okay, he's he's a very successful actor-comedian, okay? He's on Curb Your Enthusiasm. I'm not saying it's an honor to get bumped by J.B. Smoove, but, uh, you know, could be worse. I got bumped for Judy Tenuta once. Does it <laughs> nothing against Judy Tenuta? And I don't even think she does comedy anymore. Remember her? She had an accordion and said, "Men are pigs." Anyone remember her? Yeah, I got bumped for Judy Tenuta. I'm getting bumped for JB Smoove now. That's progress. Yeah, I am in a shitty hotel room. I, not to make it too sexy, but I'm recording this podcast on the bed because. There's no desk, which is fine because there's no chair. I'm just lounging on the bed. It's not your business what I may or may not be wearing. I'm on the bed, okay? Yeah, I do have a gold medallion buried in my chest hair. That's how I podcast. (laughs) This hotel, holy shit, it looks clean. I did a bed bug check. Not that that does much. A bed bug check is basically like the equivalent of looking at someone's genitals before you have sex with them and going, that looks good. We don't need a condom. Uh, But uh, yeah, this hotel, it's like any movie or TV show where someone escapes from prison or they're running from the FBI uh, and they peek out the curtains to see the dark van pull into the parking lot filled with a SWAT team. Yeah, that's the hotel I'm in right now. It is uh, a little depressing, to be honest with you. Uh, but that's fine. That's, uh, <clears throat> you might think, hey, if you're such a successful comedian, why are you at AJ's <laughs> brick bar and grill tonight? Uh, first of all, it's probably going to be a fun show, and I don't need your shit voice in my head. But this is how it works. Uh, I get a show in uh, Mos- Moscow, Idaho. I'll believe, I believe I actually I don't think they pronounce it Moscow, Idaho. I believe they pronounce it Moscow, Idaho, which makes no sense at all. 
but that's what small towns do. Worst example of that, uh, there's a place that looks like it's Miami, Oklahoma. It is not. They pronounce it Miami. You ever been to Miami? Spelled exactly the same as Miami, just way less coke and a lot more meth. Uh, so I get this show, pretty good paying show in Moscow, Idaho, and then I think to myself, self, uh, hey, as long as I'm going to Idaho, maybe I can get some shows on the way and make it a better week. I see someone else worked at this show in Baker City. I ask them. I email the bar. I tell them what I want. They say they can't pay that much. I say it's okay. Uh, you know, same reason last night I was in, uh, in Pendleton, Oregon. At the Wild Horse Casino, which is not, it's not a good show. Okay, I mean, I did okay. I survived. Um, uh, I've had the exact same conversation. I seem to do it once a year because it's on the way to something. And uh, I, I have the exact same conversation the last three or four times with the last three or four openers where I'm like, no, man, it's, I've never seen the opening act do well. It's not you. It's a hard room. Uh, <laughs> And it sounds like I'm making it up to make him feel better, but it's true. It is a hard room. It's a free show at a rural casino, uh, and uh, it's tough. Sometimes people don't stop talking. Uh, sometimes uh, they don't uh, care for jokes that uh, make you think too much, which is why they liked me just fine. And I also I like going to... Uh, that show in uh, in Pendleton at the Wild Horse Casino because they have a they have a movie theater in the casino, and so the, the last movie started like 10 p.m. My show's over at 9:30. I sell some merch, head on over to the uh, Wild Horse movie theater, sneak some alcohol in, and uh, have myself a good time. Yeah. I poured some uh, whiskey into my Diet Coke last night and. Uh, Watch Shazam, Shazam. which, uh, how was the movie? I don't know. Seemed good. Actually, it got, it was kind of, spoiler alert, Shazam's not even in the Avengers. I, I was misled. Uh, no, I left early. I was, uh, but anyway, I, actually, last time I was there, that's the level of, uh, I won't even call it a crime. That's the level of, uh, naughtiness that is uh, very attractive to me, sneaking alcohol into a movie theater. That's the level of rebellion. That's the PG-13 rebellion that I'm comfortable with. Uh, last time I was here, not a couple times ago I was here, I was with this uh, comedian Matt Erickson, and I was telling him, hey, they got a movie theater. I got some bush lights. Yeah, I've been known to travel with bush light. I'm a man of the world. And, uh, Let's go there afterwards and watch, I don't know what we watch, some terrible movie. And uh, he's like, well, how are we going to get the bush lights in? And I'm like, well, I don't know, a couple in each pocket, whatever. And then he's like, hey, <laughs> oh, what a genius, Matt Erickson. He's like, I got a CPAP machine. Let's uh, take my machine out, put the bush lights in the CPAP bag, <laughs> And then I, <laughs> I will walk into the theater with the CPAP machine hooked up to my nose, but just into an empty bag that's filled with bush lights. 
which if anyone had a CPAP machine, they'd be like, why is this asshole walking around with a CPAP machine connected to his nose? But, uh, yeah, and he got deep into character. Uh, and so, you know, we got this, we were getting some snacks and, uh, he's got this bush, <laughs> this, this CPAP machine filled with bush light. And, uh, they were like asking him what he wanted to drink or whatever. And like, I don't, he just wouldn't even, he wouldn't say anything. So I had to pretend like I was his handler. Like, um, I'm sorry. Uh, he'll have a, uh, <laughs> diet Dr. Pepper and some, uh, junior mints. And he was, he just kind of nodded and smiled and. <laughs> Oh my god. I uh that may be the hardest I've laughed in a long time. It's just the giggly stupidity of uh I mean I'm in my forties, he's in his thirties, we both have three children, and we were sneaking bush lights in to see like Transformers four, like coughing and waiting for explosions to uh crack open a bush light. Uh Oh my god. My stomach hurt from giggling. I wasn't even laughing. I was giggling. Drinking bush lights. Uh last night just me. It's a little sadder story when you pour whiskey into a water bottle and then empty it into your diet coke. That's more, that's more of an alcoholic story than a fun story, but whatever. The other guy had to go home, okay? Uh anyway. That's my uh Pendleton tradition. Um, it's not a great gig, but whatever. It's 300 bucks down the road. You know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not here to complain about my career. I did that last week. (laughs) My, my wife, uh, had listened to like half of the podcast and she was like, yeah, I'm like halfway through. It's a really uplifting podcast. And I was like, yeah, well, stay tuned. I stopped complaining and then I reveal... Uh, things about her sex life you're probably not comfortable with. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm fine. I'm feeling, you know, I'm a little burnt out on the road, that's all. But uh, it's actually, maybe it's a blessing that uh, I'll be home next week doing Tacoma Comedy Club shows. And then uh, my I got bumped. And, may, you know, of course it hurts to lose a good pain week at the Denver Improv that I've never been to before. Um... But uh, I'm kind of happy. I'm happy because I get to, I'll get i be home for like 17 days, re-energize a little bit, and, uh, you know, head back out with such a, without such a heavy heart. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm actually, you know, I'm kind of happy that I'm not doing anything uh, in a couple weeks. And, uh, you know, if I get a last-minute local show, I guess I'll do it. I probably won't. It's like two weeks away. But I'm really rooting for not having a any shows for an entire week because uh, I can't even tell you the last time that I've gone an entire week without being paid to do comedy. It's, uh, I mean, maybe two or three times in the last six years I've gone a week without doing a paid comedy show. So uh, I'm kind of looking forward to it. It's a staycation, uh, which will be nice. I'm uh, I'm trying to find the balance, right? I've been trying to find the balance uh, since I started comedy uh, <laughs> 18 and a half years ago of, uh, you know, I'll book a certain amount of stuff and I'll be like, that's as much as I'm going to be gone that month. And then someone will offer me something and I'm like, I can't say no to that. Uh, so uh, that's how it works. This year, I said to myself at the start of the year, this is the year of saying no. 
uh, not saying no to everything, but saying no to stuff that I should say no to. Because uh, it's really, it's re there's a level of desperation to comedy that you feel like you have to say yes to everything. And uh, I don't anymore. There's some clubs that don't pay that good. And I have to have enough faith that I will get something else if I say no to the club that doesn't pay good. Uh, and so I'm trying to do that. And uh, I actually had a, uh, <laughs> I had somebody uh, message me. And they said, uh, I saw your uh, video on Facebook. Um, which, by the way, four and a half million views between the two of them. And no, I have not been looking at the comments. Um, actually, I saw I I checked to see what the views are because I want I was I was sending a booking email and I wanted to be like, oh, by the way, I have a viral Facebook video. You know, whatever helps. And uh, the comment underneath it, I noticed uh, it just said Dave Grohl question mark, and I was so thrilled. It's just someone who said I looked like Dave Grohl. They didn't say fat Dave Grohl. They didn't say diabetic Dave Grohl. They didn't say Dave Grohl on medication. Uh, they just said Dave Grohl. Thank you, random stranger. Uh, but anyway, so someone messaged me, and they were like, hey, I'm a booking agent, a personal appearances agent. Uh, let me know if you want to chat, which is a very agenty thing to say. The tone, the tone of the, the email was basically like, if you, do you know who I am? You probably should. Um, so I, 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 I did recognize the name. I looked them up and like, they're legit. They like represent people I know. Not JB Smooth level, but, uh, they seemed legit. And so I was talking to my wife about it. And of course, this is just my personality. And my wife rightfully called me out on my shit is I'm like, look, I just don't know. Yeah, I would love, uh, uh, a booking agent to work on my behalf, but I just don't think I can afford to give 10% of everything I make. I can give 10% of stuff they get me. I'm doing math. I'm like, you know, not counting merch and streaming and everything else that I probably make like 70 grand a year and being paid to do comedy. So 10% of that would be $7,000. Would this new booking agent get me more than $7,000 worth of stuff because that's what it would have to be to make it worth it. Or maybe it would be a little less, but it's like a better quality gig. Maybe it's less Pendleton uh, Wild Horse Casino and it's more uh, Denver Improv. I'm going through all this stuff and my wife is like, he hasn't even said anything to you. And I was like, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. Uh, I called him. He called me back and he said, uh, do you want to do cruise ships? because I can submit you. And I said, no. <laughs> I don't even want to do cruise ships. It was still hard to say no, because I'm like, hey, it's a real booking agent. They want to submit me to do cruise ships. But I'm like, I don't want to do cruise ships. Um, so I said, no. Yeah, the money would be better. But uh, I've talked to a lot of people who do cruise ships. They don't seem to love them. It's very isolating. And uh, food is free, and drinks are a dollar. So... I'll be fat, drunk, and nearly dead after a couple of weeks in the Caribbean. And, uh, no, it, I'm sure it's fine. The shows are packed. People are there. It's, uh, I just don't really want to do it. I don't really want to, even if it's two, three thousand dollars a week with no expenses, uh, I don't want to only do boat shows, you know? So, uh, I'm doing, uh, I'd rather, 
make a lot less money and uh, do some shows that I still care about, I guess. So I said no. And uh, he said, okay. And then uh, I hung up the phone and felt like I disappointed myself and him. I'm like, am I really in a position to be saying no to someone who's trying to pitch me to make three grand a week? And then I'm like, I don't care. I don't want to do it. The year of saying no. All right, let's get into uh, shit that Gabriel should have said last week. I was uh, I was talking last week about uh, some shows I I did in uh, Utah, and then a one nighter I did the night before in Wyoming, where we sang "I Was Walking in Memphis" uh, a lot on a car ride. And uh, I was talking about the weird – I think it changed, but they used to have very odd liquor laws and uh, bar laws in Utah. Not as weird as Pakistan, uh, but uh, unusual. I forgot I went to a strip club in Salt Lake City, which maybe these have changed too. Maybe it's different now. But uh, <laughs> I just leaned over to get a water. To get, I don't know if you could hear the whole bed go, but uh, sorry about that. This is not uh, the most professional. Uh, but, uh, okay, so this is how the strip club was. This is probably 2005-ish, so maybe it's changed. But, okay, first of all, very well lit, which is not what you like in a strip club. I mean bright, bright, where you, you can see, you know, you don't want to see the eyeballs of everyone sitting around you. So I go with this guy, which is funny to go – with another guy to a strip club because I didn't uh, – like he walked in. I won't say his name. He walked in and everyone's like, Bruce! Like all the dancers know him. And I'm like, huh? You come here a lot, weirdo. Uh, so we sit down and I think they you know, they definitely had bottoms on. How great would it be if they had like Mormon underwear on? But anyway, uh, they had like uh, bottom bikini type things on, maybe G-strings. I can't remember. And then they had like little nipples covered with little uh, pasty tassely things. And then they would do some dancing uh, to the Mormon Tabernacle Choir. <laughs> That's not true. Hallelujah. Get those bills ready, fellas. Hallelujah. Uh, no, it was not like that. Let's make it rain like our Heavenly Father. Uh, so they would do a dance. And then they would, the dancer would grab a little bucket and they would walk amongst the crowd with the bucket. And if you put money in the bucket, they would kiss you on the cheek. Which, I mean, it's an attempt to be much less dirty of a strip club. But to put money in a bucket and have someone kiss you on the cheek was uh, oddly way dirtier than any other strip club I've ever been to. It was so weird. Like, thank you. Thank you. I'm like, what is this? Uh, I I say that, by the way, like I've been to a ton of script, script clubs. That's where you write your own stripper. No, I have not been to a lot of uh, strip clubs. I like four or five in my whole life. Um, I don't like them. I don't, uh, not really in a prude way, but I mean, there's part of there's an honesty to strip clubs that I kind of like, which is give me money and I will show you my vagina. 
Uh, there's there, <laughs> there's a certain level of honesty to that that I do appreciate because there's a lot of pretense. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of uh, you know just the social norms of what you're how to have conversations with people. Oh, what do you do? What do you do for a living? Oh, that's great. I have an uncle who lives in uh, Ogden, Utah. Oh, what do you what do you <laughs> you know if you <laughs> if you if you go on a date with someone, you find out about their life, you. You know, you, what do you do for a living? What do you? And then there's the strip club, which is, give me money and I will show you my vagina, which is actually a pretty good name for a strip club, but I've, I've never seen it. Uh, but I don't, I don't like it. I don't, uh, I don't really. Maybe at the base of all of this is I'm cheaper than I am horny. Like I don't like giving a lot of money. Uh. <laughs> to watch naked people, but I also know it's it's rude to see someone working in front of you and not give them money. You know, if I'm going to if you're going to give your Denny's waitress uh 20%, you can uh you know, someone who's got their boobs in your face deserves a buck or two. But that's the other part about I guess I I to me seeing nudity is intimate. Even if it's alone, it's intimate or if it's uh just being around strangers. It's the same feeling as if, if there was like a if there was like a bar where everyone gathered to watch porn together. That's what strip clubs feel like. Where it's just like one big screen and everyone's clicking on things like, oh, check out this link. Look at this. Those look nice. Like it I don't like the community aspect of a strip club. Uh so I don't like that. Uh, I've gotten a few lap dances in my life. Didn't care for that either. Because it's, they like whisper sweet, sexy things in you to, to give you part of the experience, but you know it's not real. It's just, I don't like it. I do not care for it. And uh, I think the it's been a while. Bridgetown Comedy Festival in Portland when I went there. We went to uh, Acropolis, which is kind of a infamous strip club in Portland mostly because they have like seven dollar steaks you can buy um which i had one it was decent pretty good uh but it was like the middle of the day no one was really there and i'm there with people i know but not super well in fact i was with i was with someone i'm still friends with on uh, uh this is the only time i met her the only time i met her we went to a strip club not together but we were both there at the same time and so, like, I'll interact with her on Facebook, and in the back of my mind, I'm always thinking, like, the only time I ever saw you, there was, like, a woman rubbing her boobs in your face. Uh, Which, yeah, it's weird to share that experience with an acquaintance, you know? Uh, I've never gone with my wife, I don't think. That seems funner. Uh, that seems like more of a team activity, but just, I don't, I don't know. I don't like it. And also this Acropolis, it was like, it was, <laughs> it was the day, but it seemed, there was no DJ, which you don't think matters, but I guess they spent the DJ budget on a salad bar or something. Cause they would just, the dancers would just walk over to their iPod that was on a floor, scroll through a bunch of songs and then hit their own song selection, which really just took the magic out of it. And, uh, they were not selecting fun songs. Like there's a there's a lot of like kind of corny stripper songs that you know I don't know warrant cherry like she 
she's my cherry pie. Like Def Leppard or, you know, there's like corny stripper songs or I'm sure more modern songs than that that I don't know about. But this one dancer, first of all, uh, was dancing and said, ow. She was like, ow. I really messed up my hip. Which is like, she was not old either. This is like a young tattooed very attractive suicide girl looking person but i'm sorry about your hip but maybe i don't know she mentioned her hip was sore and she mentioned uh she mentioned her three-year-old child while dancing and i'm like i don't uh (laughs) i don't really want to hear about your real life that's not that's very odd to me sorry about your hip i know it's hard getting a babysitter for your three-year-old but it was that was odd and then the song she picked what I'm going to call the worst song ever to strip to, Jolene by Dolly Parton. You... Jolene, Jolene, Jolene. I mean, walking in Memphis would be a better stripper song than Jolene. Jolene is not a song you can sexily take your clothes off to. Jolene's like a song you take your clothes off to wash them in a creek to. It's. I mean, I like the song, but, you know, she's bending over putting her ass in people's faces, Jolene, a Jolene. It's not, it's not okay. It's not, there's just, that's not a hot song. You know, you got to pick your songs wisely. You can't, can't be like, welcome to the main stage, Sapphire. Everybody hurts sometimes. Sapphire's crying right now. Not hot. Uh, yeah, that was really weird to me. Where uh, maybe I need a, a stripper jukebox situation where I get to pick the song. Although there's no way I would seriously pick a sexy song. I would just, <laughs> I would pick like, I would pick like Benny Hill music. <laughs> Welcome to the stage, Sapphire. Uh, yeah, I don't know. That threw me off though. Jolene, you can't strip to Jolene. It's not right. Fellas, get those dollar bills ready. And welcome to the main stage, Candy. All by myself. (laughs) Oh. Also, you know, the three or four times I've been to a strip club, I just, look, I'm there too. It's the same. I want to judge the other people there, but I'm also there. It's the same people. It's the same feeling like when you go to Walmart and you're like, look at these assholes. And then you're like, well, I'm an asshole too. I'm here. But I see, I see these guys at the strip club who like act like the strippers in love with them. They're just, you know, wearing sweatpants, shoveling all their money uh, to the stripper. The stripper says sweet things to them and they seem to believe it. I'm like, look at these idiots. I'm like, well, I'm here too. I'm here too. Hello. This is a commercial word for Anchor Podcasts, the easiest way to host your podcast. Um, If you don't have a podcast, congratulations. You probably have an enjoyable life full of friends, family, and fun. Uh, But if you do have a podcast, um, I'm sorry. And you should use Anchor Podcasts. Uh, It's easy, it's free. Uh, they distribute everything for you. They give you sponsorship, which apparently is just talking about Anchor. I guess that's their sponsorship, but I don't want to brag, but I make, you know, maybe six bucks a month doing this. So 
worth it? Of course it is. Uh, go to anchor.fm or the Anchor app. We now return to another riveting episode of The Rutledges. Uh, same night, I went to the strip club uh, in Utah. <laughs> that night cost me $10, and I got four kisses. Mm. Thank you. Don't tell my dad. Thank you. My grandma thinks I'm at school. Thank you. Uh, that same night, we were driving somewhere else with the same guy. Bruce, we'll call him. And uh, we're, we're, we're at a stop sign on a freeway off-ramp, a stoplight. We see a car fly by us. Like it ran through lights and everything, not even in a lane. It flew through the intersection and smashed into a storage unit. And then two people got out of the car and started running. And we're like, what? the fuck is happening and then you know a few seconds later we hear a bunch of sirens so clearly cops are on the way uh bruce will call him this dumbass what does he do light turns green he drives through the light into the storage unit we're driving around the storage unit and like police are coming i'm like uh bruce we got to get the fuck out of here. If the cops come see this car, we're here. We're at the very least going to be interviewed. What did you see? Where did they go? Which they were gone. But like, what are we, what are we doing? I'm like, we're going to get shot. And he's like, yeah, I guess maybe you're right. And then we leave. And then like, as we pull out of the, uh, uh, the parking lot, we see the cops coming off of the freeway. But I'm like, you don't, it's like seeing a bank robbery and running into the bank. What's going on in here? Let's check this out. <laughs> I've already got half an erection from <laughs> this Utah strip club. That was the name of the club, Simmies. <laughs> That's all you're ever going to get. <laughs> That's the other bad part about strip clubs. Is it's like, you know, if you how turned on do you want to be in public? The answer to that is not you know, when they, when you're in junior high and you get called up to the board to do a math problem and you have a boner, uh, that's not really a good feeling. And uh, there's a little bit of, you know, <laughs> it's the, some of the, somewhat the same feeling. Although I kind of shut it down. I don't really, I don't recall ever being that turned on in a strip club. Uh, but uh, also, I guess it's because nudity is supposed to be there. Like, accidental nudity is way more exciting than planned nudity. Like, if you're ever just walking around somewhere, and, uh, like, I remember a house I used to live at, uh, one time, I was just walking past our fence, and the neighbor in the back, uh, a woman was just, like, sunbathing naked, and I'm, that was a thousand times more thrilling than any strip club I've ever been to. And I didn't, you know, I was respectful. I didn't, it's not like I'd like <laughs> drilled a bigger hole in the fence <laughs> and like brought out a lawn chair or anything. Honey, get my lube. The neighbor's out again. No, uh, it was not like that at all. But it's just, I'm just saying, accidental, accidental nudity, 
super exciting. Planned nudity, uh, exciting, but not it can't it can't uh, it can't compete with uh, something you didn't think you were supposed to see. So this podcast has a sponsor. Uh, this episode, if you'd like to sponsor an episode of Happiness Isn't Funny with Gabriel Rutledge, that's me. Uh, it's five bucks. I'll plug whatever you want. Uh, contact me on the social medias or Gabriel at GabrielRutledge.com. Any questions, any comments, Gabriel at GabrielRutledge.com. Or uh, write it on a piece of paper, roll it in a $20 bill, and tuck it in the G-string of your favorite stripper. And then tell them to email me at Gabriel at GabrielRutledge.com. This is the third out of four weeks in a row sponsored by Satansnugglers.com. What is Satansnugglers.com? It's only the coolest cartoon cat make-believe motorcycle club on the internet. Uh, so what you do, you send, a, you, you send a face pic of your kitty. Your kitty gets digitally cartooned by hand. Your kitty is added to the club roster. Uh, and then you get a t-shirt, cap, koozie, patch, button with your kitty's face in a cool motorcycle club uh, graphic thing. Uh, that pack is $60, two of those packs for 100 or you can a la carte it for just the shirt, just the koozie, just the cap, just the patch. They do dogs, too. Uh, if you want to have your, uh, your, your, your pooch join the Piston Puppies Club. Uh, so yeah, satansnugglers.com. Live fast, per hard. Uh, <laughs> I said that gross, I'm sorry. Too much strip club talk, it makes everything dirty. Per hard, get it? Like a boner, huh? Right? Uh, I was reading to my daughter because I am a good father when I'm home. Actually, I'm going I'm to be honest. A lot of people talk about reading uh, to their children like it's their favorite part of the day. I don't like it because it's a big struggle. Every night my kids act like it's the first time they've been asked to brush their teeth. Uh, they're not familiar with what bed even is. What are pajamas? Why do we need to sleep? Uh, all of these are questions I get from my daughters uh, every night uh, at 11 and 7, almost 8. So I don't, I don't love, I don't love reading. I don't, uh, you know. But uh, I was reading this book to my daughter. It's uh, what is it called? It's by Laura Ingalls Wilder. It's like a uh, uh, little little house in the big woods. Uh, I think it's called Little House on the Prairie. Came from Laura Ingalls Wilder. It's like books written in the 1930s, about a time even before that. And um, Little House in the Big Woods is so goddamn boring. It's maybe that's why uh, all of my daughter likes it because it's like it's probably relaxing because it's just describing all the chores and work they had to do. Like, you know, father pulled on his boots first the left, then the right. He tightened the laces, cinched them one more time, put on a jacket and cap, and headed out to the wood pile. He grabbed three pieces of wood. Two in his left arm, one in his right. When he got back to the door, there was snow in his beard and a twinkle in his eye. And it's just so detail or like it's like it was like a, 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 a an assignment in her English class to write a book where you're trying to come up with a certain amount of words. <laughs> Mother walked through the forest, left, then right, left, then right, 
then right again as she paused to pick a berry. It was small and red. Raspberries, they're called. It's way too much detail. Uh, but I was reading this book uh, to Olive, and uh, let me grab my phone because I took a little... I, I, I noticed what I was about to read, and so I stopped. Uh, so I, uh, in this particular part of the book, uh, Pa is playing the fiddle, and I, he's like singing all, all around the mulberry bush, the monkey chased the weasel, that song. And then, uh, so they went laughing to bed and lay listening to Pa and the fiddle singing. Okay, this is, this is the song Pa was singing. There was an old darky, and his name was Uncle Ned. Okay, there's, let's just stop, right? Dark, are you shitting me? I mean, I know it was written in the 30s, but Darky? That's... And then I won't read the whole song. The end of the song. Uh, so he hung up the shovel and the hoe, lay down the fiddle and the bow. There's no more work for Uncle Ned, for he's gone where good darkies go. Holy shit. Like, I stopped reading, and Olive was like, why did you stop reading? And I said, well... The song that Pa is singing is really, it uses some really, uh, uh, like a really old bad term for African Americans. And of course, my daughter goes, wait, are we African Americans? And I said, no, I mean black people. And she's like, oh. And I was like, yeah, I'm not going to read you that part because it's, it's not appropriate. Like, it's just not, you don't. Yeah, my seven-year-old doesn't need to be aware of the word darky. It's just really weird uh, to read that. And also, it did make me laugh that she thought we were African-Americans, which uh, <laughs> it really it does go to show, though, it, like racism is taught. Like, if, if you don't if you don't tell your kids uh, bad things about other races. They're they're not going to come to those conclusions on their own. They really aren't. Like my kids, they you know my son does because he's 16 and he's seen how life works and he reads things and he learns things in school, so he knows about racism and stuff. But it's like not. Uh, they're not going to learn about it in a bad way from us. Do you know what I'm not? I'm not trying to tout my own parenting like I'm so great. Uh, but that's. One thing I'm pretty confident in, I'm not raising racist children. So it is funny. And they'll also, uh, <laughs> what my wife and I say this all the time is, uh, you know, my, my, my kids are aware of lots of things. They're aware of lots of things that their family is not like, you know, like the gay people, they know, they don't have, they are friends with people who have two moms and, you know, that kind of stuff. They're very aware of, uh, and one time, uh, my wife was talking about, two guys in a story like uh, uh, I can't even remember the story but she was describing two men who were dating and Olive this is a couple years ago Olive just goes in the middle of the story just goes gay which <laughs> I'm, she did not mean it in like she meant it as in like two plus two if someone said what's two plus two and she went four like I know that so she hears a story about two guys dating, and she just goes, gay. I know what that word is. Gay. What you're talking about, it's gay. 
And it, we were just like, uh huh. And then later we laughed about it because it was just so, it was such a weird tone, <laughs> which, uh, you know, it's not like every time she sees gay people, she walks out to him and goes, gay, because that would be a problem. But, uh, yeah. Anyway, that, uh, holy shit. And then I looked online about Laura. I just Googled Laura Ingalls Wilder racism. And I, apparently she had a children's book award named after her, and they changed it from the Laura Ingalls Wilder Award because uh, it's, uh, you know, because of a lot of stuff about black people and Native Americans. Not that they called, you know, Indians. But I'm not defending her, but I will say that song that Pa was singing is probably a song people sang. You know? It's just like uh, Huck Finn has the N-word in it and stuff, because that's a thing that people said, you know? So uh, I'm not all for whitewashing history, but I just, when you're reading a, uh, when you're reading a, uh, uh, a bedtime book to your daughter and uh, Pa is singing a racist jingle on his fiddle, I was like, holy shit! Uh, and it did remind me, uh, it reminded me of my, um, Maisie, other daughter, when she was, uh, I think she was second or third grade, she would bring reading home. And this was one of her, this was like one of her third grade readings. Uh, I actually, uh, I had to look it up from, uh, this was, <laughs> so this is like what we had to read as a family, uh, to teach her to read. Tasmanian devils are mean to each other when they mate. The male keeps the female in his den. He will not let her go out for two weeks. After they mate, things change. It is the female that is mean. What? What happened to Dick and Jane? <laughs> why, why are third graders learning about uh, Tasmanian devil S&M shit? Like, what? That's the most hilarious homework I've ever seen in my life. Uh, <laughs> I actually looked it up, which, uh, by the way, I'm uh, former podcast episode sponsor Phil Cops One Off. He does animal uh, animal mating rituals all the time. Uh, I don't know if he's done Tasmanian Devils, but I, I looked it up because I was thinking about it uh, because I was remembering that, that hilarious homework. This is a. Uh, this is what it says about uh, Tasmanian devil mating. Uh, wild devils in Tasmania tend to mate between February and April. Uh, <laughs> that's kind of funny. <laughs> Don't be bringing that shit around here in May. You got an April booty. This is May. Uh Females have three estrious cycles in this period. If they don't get pregnant during their first cycle, they have two more tries before the breeding season is over. To attract mates, both males and females scent mark the ground, rocks and trees, using the scent glands near their anus. They basically drag their butts along the ground. <laughs> hey, girl. You like what you smell? Smell that rocks, just like my anus. That's what you're in for. Plenty more of that coming your way. You into butt stuff? Female devils prefer to mate with the largest, most dominant male. Well, that's true in every species. <laughs> you're never going to read that in a biology textbook. Females prefer to date 
with a smaller, smarter partner who will treat them in the way they deserve. <laughs> That's pretty much universal over the entire animal kingdom. Uh, <laughs> sweet, sensitive mating uh, is really only possible in the human world. And still, uh, you have to fight a little bit of biology to get to do it. Uh, if multiple males show up at the female's door, they will battle for the right to mate her. Well, that's just embarrassing. Uh, but coming out on top doesn't guarantee the female's affection. A male also has to physically force his potential mate into submission. Here comes the hot talk. Here comes the Fifty Shades of Cave Loving. A female will test the male to see if he is good enough for her standards. Uh... In fact, females are known to reject small males vocally and physically. You know what? Some guys are into that. Once a female accepts a male, he will bite the scruff of her neck and drag her back to his den where he will further assert his dominance by pushing and nudging her. The pair will then mate for a few minutes to over an hour, depending on how much the male has had to drink. Uh, to make sure the female has his babies, the male will guard her until she's no longer an estrious a week or so later before he moves on to find another mate. The pair will not eat during this lockdown. Holy shit. Hey, girl. Do you want to fuck so good we don't eat for two weeks afterwards? <laughs> uh the male may escort the female out of his den to drink water. Well, what a gentleman. Uh, if the female tries to escape, the male will chase her down and drag her back home. Where the fuck do you think you're going? I got you water. How ungrateful. As can be expected, males aren't always 100% successful at keeping females all to themselves. Indeed, a litter of pups can have multiple fathers, suggesting females do sneak away from their captor to mate with other males. How dare you? I thought you liked the smell of my anal glands. You tramping all around the forest. <laughs> oh, I guess you just let anyone drag you by the scruff of the neck back to their cave. I thought we had something special. I regret giving you that water. Uh, and then I, I, uh, I looked it up and I found, uh, <laughs> I found what it sounds like. Uh, when two Tasmanian devils, devils, when two Tasmanian devils have sex, it sounds like this. Hey girl, thanks for letting me assert my dominance. You can join that water. Okay. That's not, that's not the actual recording. <laughs> that was Tasmanian devil sweet talk. Uh, this is, this is the actual recording of Tasmanian devils mating. I mean, you think you fucked before? Not like that you haven't. I mean, if sex is good, people will be like, oh, man, we were like wild animals. And no, no, you were not. No, you never. I've never had sex that made me sound like a Tasmanian devil. That's that's some rough shit. And it looks angry, too. The video, it's like teeth bared, 
angry, angry. Mom, Dad, what are you guys doing in there? Nothing. I'm just... Me and Mom are talking. I'll be out in a minute. My sister won't let me watch the TV show I want to watch. You gotta come out and tell her she has to share. Okay. Just hope we'll be out in a sec. Kids, I want you to give mom a little space. She's uh she's not gonna eat for a week, so she might be a little grumpy. Uh. <laughs> All right. Uh, hey, if you uh, leave me an iTunes review, I'd love it. Please subscribe wherever you subscribe to podcast. Thanks for listening. Um, and remember, uh, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. And uh, a lot of the shots that you do take because you are not good at sports. Talk to you next week. Spring, your voice is soft like summer rain, and I cannot compete with you, Jolene. He talks about you in his sleep, and there's nothing I can do to keep from crying when he calls your name, Jolene. And I can easily understand how you could easily take my man, but you don't know what he means to me, Jolene. decide to do Jolene.